Hi, and welcome to another series of Livewire. This is a two episode series entitled Joshua Ship, and we're going to look at leadership that brings change. Change is one of those things where it's said you either like it or you don't like it. Some people like change, some people hate change. I don't know what kind of personal way you fit into that. My perspective is a little bit different. What I've noticed is that generally people don't like change when it's out of their control, but they don't mind change when they have some kind of ownership or control over it. In other words, people don't mind bringing change. What they don't like is when change is brought to them. But a leader's role is to bring change. And that's what we're going to look at during this uh, series in this first episode, we're going to look at some spiritual principles for change that are ideal if you want to take people through some kind of change, you want to prepare them and um, lay the groundwork. In the second episode, we're going to look at some really practical ways of affecting change, some really practical tips and a diagram you can use to help you make sure that the change you want to bring is going to be successful, at least as best as you can. So we're going to look at the, the character of Joshua. The book of Joshua uh, pretty much starts uh, with this stunning statement at the beginning. It's just really straightforward. Moses, my servant, is dead. Uh, the message says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Get going. So Joshua, if you're familiar with the story, he's been part of the Israelites and Moses led them out of Egypt um, if you remember, Joseph was a guy who had been put into Egypt, served the Pharaoh. The Israelites grew, but they kind of got too big. So they were punished. They were kind of like oppressed. Uh, and then God uh, uses Moses to take the people out of Egypt. And Moses is great at getting people out of Egypt, but he struggles leading them through the hearts and mentality change that will be needed to get them to go into the promised land. And suddenly we find ourselves in a story where Moses is dead and Joshua is put in control. Now, it's interesting to think that quite a few things change here, but what stays the same is that it's it's people that God uses to bring change. It's not signs or the spectacular. Somebody once pointed out, I'll mention it a little bit later on, that um, while the people were leaving Israel, they had um, all manner of signs God provided miraculously. There was a, a cloud during the day to guide them and a pillar of fire at night to guide them. Very spectacular and supernatural. But when they moved into the promised land, the spectacular stopped. Instead of being led by these signs, they were led by an ark carried by people. And in the ark was the word of God. Just imagine that. Why would God do that? Why would he stop signs in the same kind of way? There were still more miracles, but, but leading people through the supernatural, that stopped and instead people were led by leaders carrying the word of God. I think that's really important for us to think about as leaders. Why, why does God use people? Well, when leaders take people through change, when we lead the way, what happens is that we're, we're shaped and we're changed in a way that other people who come on later are not. They don't have the same opportunity. 
You know, when people join Pays Now, yeah, maybe they're inspired, they come and they see this organization working on six continents with hundreds of people all over the world in different countries from Islamabad to Ireland. And yeah, it's kind of inspiring, it's kind of encouraging. But there were a few of us who were there at the beginning. I mean, I was there at the very beginning. The very beginning was me and a puppet called Cedric Saggybottom. So when you go from me and a puppet, maybe two puppets, you could say, to an organization on six concerts, that builds your faith. You fight for things and you, you're put through the mill in ways that people coming on later just simply are not. You, you have to struggle with stuff and you, you see God uh, win the battle and you see victories that other people just come and the victory's already been won. So taking through people through change gives you an opportunity to, as a leader to grow in faith that pretty much nothing else does. And I think that's what God is looking for, leaders who've had their faith increased to an incredible degree. So God uses leaders. There's many other reasons why God uses people, not signs or the spectacular. We may look at them a little bit later on. But I really want to get across to you that if you're a leader, God wants to not only use you to affect change, but what he really also wants to do is allow you to go through leading people into change in order that you will be shaped and you will be given opportunities for your faith to grow. And the people will be able to follow you because they'll see a person who's carrying the word of God in their heart, not simply the spectacular or the supernatural. Now, saying that, there's, there's something important for us to look at before we look at the principles of change. And that is the kind of people that God uses to bring change. The Word of God says this. In 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. These were the men from Issachar. The men from Issachar, they, they kind of knew the culture and the society that they lived in. And the fact is that most leaders who bring change are in many ways responding to the changes they see around them. They realize the world is changing, um, society is changing, the response, the things we need to do, therefore change. So let's, uh, with that in mind, think about our first workshop. Um, you hopefully have the um, workshop in front of you, you've downloaded it, and I want to take you through the question and the, a short exercise. Looking at the values of the 1950s compared to those of the 1990s as outlined by Dr. R. Calderwell, when you look at these, what words might you put in today's column that represent the present day equivalent? Or if you live outside of a westernized nation, what would be your cultural equivalent right now? So there's a list there of key words that kind of summed up the society of the 50s and then what kind of changed um, in the 1990s. And what I'd like you to do is think, well, if that was true of the 50s, but this is the 1990s equivalent, what is today's equivalent word? What would be the, the theme of today? Uh, you might not be able to do that for every one of these, but put yourself to the test and see, well, how much do I really understand the society and the culture that I'm presently operating in? I think it's a great exercise for us. You know, sometimes we can't affect change because we don't live on the same planet as everybody else, but we need to understand the times in which we live. Okay, please um, discuss that if you're watching uh, this live wire as a group, and I'll come back to you soon, maybe in about 10 minutes, 
and we'll carry on the session looking at some principles for change. So let's look at how. What are the principles for change? Um, what I'm going to do in this next little section is help you think through, as a leader, what you need to understand if you're going to take people through change and some of the principles you can share with those you're going to lead as well. Um, I've taken some of these principles for this next little section from a book called Crossing Over by Paul Scanlon. I'd really recommend that book to you. So we're going to look at the life of Joshua. Let's look at the first principle. The first one is this. Joshua was chosen because he had already tasted. I think that's important that a leader who brings change is going to be much more effective if you already have tasted where, where you're going, if you've tasted the fruit of where you're going. Uh, Joshua had been to the promised land. Moses had not. That, in my opinion, is significant. And I think one of the problems we have nowadays is we have a lot of leaders who are acting as travel agents. You know, they're telling you about a place they've never been to, but they recommend. And what we need are tour guides, people who've been there several times before are coming back to meet you and take you with them. So if you're trying to bring change and you've not experienced that change, you've not lived in that change, it may be more difficult for you. And you may want to think through, well, how can I experience that? Is there places I can go to see how they're doing what I'm hoping we will do? I don't know what that equivalent would be, but I think that's important for you to think through. Uh, let me just read a, a passage of scripture that helps us understand that from Joshua's life. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. I think Joshua understood how difficult it is for people if they've not really experienced where you're leading them. So it's really important that you do at least first. Second principle. You have to go to the promised land. It's not going to come to you. Let me read again another verse from this powerful book. Joshua 3 verse 1. In the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan. The promised land was already there, but it had to be entered into. And I think sometimes what we're expecting is the promised land to come to us. You know, people who are not Christians are expecting to win uh, the lotto or expecting some kind of lucky break. And I think as Christians, sometimes we're in the same kind of situation. We're waiting for something to arrive on our doorstep. In actual fact, for change, for the best kind of things, we need to go there. We need to go on a journey. And that's really what these two episodes are about, the journey that we need to go on. But you're going to have to make a move, not hang around hoping that change comes to you. It's important to realise as a leader, and it's important to make sure other people understand that as well. Thirdly, you will be on your own for the first thousand yards. I think this is a great principle. It's very simple. It's very practical in one sense, but it's a good principle. Let me just read the verses that this is taken from. Joshua 3 verse 8. 
Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. Joshua 3 verse 4, but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. What you've got here is the priests enter into the water and then eventually the water kind of opens up and the, the, the priests are able to lead the ark through. But they're going ahead and other people are following. And I think we have to understand that about leadership. There's a, there's a couple of important principles. One is that when everybody catches up, most of the breakthrough, most of the, the miracles, if you like, have already happened and so what you have here is a situation where, again, as a leader bringing change, you're going to see things that other people are not going to see when they turn up later on. But the other part of this, the practical part of this I like, is that as leaders, that's what we have to do. We have to be prepared to be the change we want to see and wait patiently for others to catch up. Let me put this in a practical way. When Levi was much younger, he was a part of a children's band and they were leading worship one day, and um, I went to give them a little bit of advice, and my advice was this, because it was in a church that didn't really have very lively worship, and the children would have never seen that before, but I knew that the band wanted to see something lively and fun and energetic, and I said to them, first, boys, I want you to close your eyes. So they closed their eyes, and I said to them, now imagine the thing you want to see, the kind of activity, the kind of passion you want to see, and then I said to them, okay, you've got to be what you imagine and you've got to keep on being that for several times until they catch up with you. Don't be put off by the fact that they don't follow you immediately. That's an important part of change. You have to close your eyes, you have to imagine the change you want to lead people into and you have to kind of live in that change. You have to be wherever that is consistently and not be affected too much early on by whether people join you or not. Eventually they're gonna catch up. You're gonna see the benefit, the bonus is you're gonna see the miracle, you're gonna see the great thing that God does before anybody else and your faith will grow because of it. Okay, another principle. To lead someone, you have to be delivered from them first. I don't think that Moses quite understood this principle in the same way that Joshua did. Let me just explain from the passage of scripture what I mean by that. In Deuteronomy, Moses uh, kind of retells the story. He says this, I said to you, you have now reached the land that the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he's placed it in front of you. Go and occupy it as the Lord, the God of your ancestors has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. But you responded, this is Moses in a kind of like a diary explaining to people what happened, reminding them. So he said, but this is what you said. You responded in this way. But you responded, first, let's send out scouts to explore the land for us. They will advise us on the best route to take and decide which towns we should capture. This sound, sounded like a good idea to me. So I chose 12 scouts, one from each of your tribes. If you're familiar with the story, it was a big mistake. He sent out the scouts. They came back. Only two of the 12 said, we can take the promised land. The other 10 said, it's too difficult. There's giants living in the land. 
and the next thing they know, they don't enter the promised land and they walk around in the wilderness for 40 years. But Joshua did something different. Listen, listen to what Joshua did. Joshua 2 verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp in Acacia. That is key. Why is it key? Because sending out spies was not the problem. It wasn't the mistake that Moses made. Sending out spies was perfectly fine. But what Moses did was he allowed the spies to dictate back and he allowed the community to decide something God had already said should happen. Basically, Moses allowed the people to vote on whether God was right. Joshua didn't. Joshua sent out spies, but they came back secretly and there was no big debate. They already knew what God was saying should be done. So who's the person you cannot lead? The one person you cannot lead is the person you're afraid of. That's true for any kind of leadership. Parents cannot be afraid of their children not liking them and preferring the other spouse. So it's not always a fear of um, physical violence. It's more often a fear of some kind of rejection. You know, a pays leader who won't deal with somebody because they're afraid that that person will just leave them or criticize them. A church leader that's afraid of bringing change because that person or some people might leave the church or not, not give financially into uh, the church offerings. If you're afraid of somebody, if you're afraid of being rejected by them, if you're afraid of their response, you're not going to be able to leave that person. Joshua understood that. It's interesting that Job said, the very thing I feared came upon me. That's quite often true is, you know, if you allow people to see your fear, including our spiritual enemy, he will use that quite often in order to attack us. Don't show people what you're afraid of and don't be afraid of those that God has called you to lead. Another principle is this. You have to stand firm until everyone has crossed over. I think this is important. Leaders stand firm. We lead people and then we stand firm. This is the verse that I'd like to share with you. Joshua 3 verse 17, the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. So just think about that for a moment. What's really happening here? You're a priest, you're carrying the Ark, there's, there's a, a river in front of you, there's a load of water in front of you. And then as you walk into the, the river, it becomes dry ground. We don't know how that happened. We just know that somehow the water separated. You weren't drowning. You're walking along. Then you stop. And then you have to wait while the whole of Israel passes by you. Can you imagine that? Because you know that any minute this water can flood back in. And you could drown. But you're stood there. I mean, I'd want to get across quickly and then hope everybody else gets through. But they stopped. They, they went first. They waited, eventually people caught up with them and they waited till everybody went first. I think that's kind of very, very brave, which is an important part, of course, of bringing change. And we need that. We need husbands to stand firm for their wives. We need parents to stand firm for their children. We need churches to stand firm 
for their communities. We need to lead people into change and we need to stand firm in that change while everybody can pass through who wants to pass through. Okay, when the British fought the French in the Battle of Waterloo, the French had a, a fantastic leader, military leader, uh, Napoleon. But let me tell you something that Napoleon said. He said this, the British troops were no braver than the French, but they were brave for a few more seconds. Napoleon caught something of real interest there. So you had two, two lines of people firing at each other and getting closer and closer and closer. And the winner was the one who gave up last. You know, this, that the French, they were, they were very brave because you're walking towards them and you're firing them and they're firing you. So equally, they were brave. What happened was the French gave up first and the British went after them. So bravery has a lot to do with just sticking at something even when it's scary. And I think that's what these priests did with the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, so there's some principles there just for us to be thinking about as leaders who bring change. But let's look at another workshop. Please take time to study these passages. Look at their background and their context. The question is, what kind of fears do you think Paul, Ezekiel and Jesus might have been tempted to succumb to? Are there any common fears that faced all three and you? Okay, so in this episode, we've been looking at principles, just the general principles. We talked about why um, God uses uh, people for various reasons. He doesn't want people who are just following him for signs because you know, when, when God uses a sign to bring change, it kind of makes people um, dependent on the signs and the spectacular. I think God wants to lead people using people who trust the word of God. Uh, and I think that's symbolically very important for us to understand. The other thing is that I think God uses people because when you take people through change, when you pioneer something, it increases your faith because you were there at the beginning and you see what God does which is much more powerful than just tagging along at the end. So we've also looked at some principles that it's good for us to remember as leaders and also to teach, I think, to the people we're leading. But let's look at what we're trying to achieve. What kind of people are we hoping to develop as we take people through change? You know, what we're trying to do as leaders is not simply take people through a specific change. What we're really trying to do, I think, is help people adapt to change and be more willing when they hear God to change. We're looking to empower people, not simply guide them always by holding their hand. And uh, Paul Scanlon mentions something, I'm not sure if it's in that book, but he mentions something when he preaches I think is really important about the kind of people, what are the kind of people we're looking to develop. And um, let me just read a couple of uh, verses that he shares and I'm gonna share the principle that he mentions. Joshua 3 verse 5, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow, Lord will do amazing things among you. So before they go into the river, before they cross over the Jordan into the promised land, what he says to the people, he goes around and he says, consecrate 
yourselves. He doesn't say we're going to consecrate you. He says consecrate yourselves, which is similar to something that happens much later in the book of Acts. Let me read that to you. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. The people of God devoted themselves. Now, when he shares this, Paul Scanlon tells a story of how he once met a guy who had led a church, but had kind of like kind of drifted away from God and was now um, a barkeeper in a pub in England. And when he asked him why he was doing it, the barkeeper said this, the landlord, as we say in England, said, because my people now are, all, are devoted all by themselves. In fact, I have to ring a bell to get rid of them. Whereas in church, I was always trying to encourage them to come to meetings. I was trying to be devoted for them. Leading a pub, if you like, is no problem because the people are devoted by themselves. A bit like they were in the Bible and a bit like they were in Joshua. And the people devoted themselves, consecrated themselves, ready to go into the promised land. And I think that's what Joshua ship is aiming to do. We're not simply trying to get people to go through a specific change. We're trying to teach them about the importance of listening to God and responding to change. In fact, I would say this. Joshua ship aims to create a devoted people. So finally, I'd like to give you uh, another kind of diagram for you to fill in. Um, this is a, a a character with various different spaces for you to write in your thoughts going clockwise around uh, the character in the picture. And these are the questions I'd like to ask yourself about the kind of people you want to create as you bring change. So let me go through the questions, make sure you've downloaded the sheet uh, and then fill in the gaps on the sheet. And I think if you keep hold of this, it will be a good thing to kind of pinch your wall and remember the kind of people you're looking to create or that God is looking to create through you. Here are the questions. Take a look at the body culture diagram and please answer the questions. What do you hope those you lead will think about without you reminding them? Number two, what do you hope those you lead will notice without you pointing it out? Number three, what do you hope those you lead will feel deeply without you inspiring them to feel it? Number four, where do you hope those you lead will go when you cannot force them to go there? Number five, what do you hope those you lead will do without you telling them to do it first? And six, what words do you hope will come from those you lead without you saying them? The whole point of this exercise is to get you thinking about the kind of people you want to create and develop. Um, the, the kind of culture, I should say, you want to develop with those you lead. Um, change is not simply being a, a, an agent of change. is not simply getting people through one change. It's by creating a people who can see the need, who can see things changing around them and respond to it. So great exercise, I think, for you to think through, just to help you imagine the kind of culture you're hoping to create and therefore the kind of leader you'll need to be. Next time, we're going to look at the very, very practical ways of bringing change. So not principles, but real solid tips. This is what you should do. And hopefully that's going to really help you. Thanks for listening. Speak to you next time.